and uh, we'd had, um, from all outward appearances at least, a very uh, successful ministry career and, and a good, strong, I think vital marriage. We could talk about anything. Uh, we enjoy being together. But um, in February of 2005, um, we, we received uh, news that no parent can ever prepare for. We stood before the Lord in 1980, we met it. So I couldn't believe this was happening, and I'm sure Phil couldn't believe this was happening. I remember my wife distinctly at one point saying to the team that we were working with, um, uh, we're in trouble. To the church, I would say, love your pastor and his wife and realize the gift that they are to you. Pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage them in every way you can. Let them be honest and transparent with you as you share your lives together. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to our Before You Quit podcast. I've got a question I want to start out with today before we go to our special guests and the question is this is it possible for a pastor to have a healthy ministry when his family is in crisis now the impulse answer to that question i think is to say of course not that that's not good it's not going to happen however think about this we all know many who seem to serve in at least what looks on the surface to be a healthy ministry but later we find out that the there's been perhaps even secretly, a crisis in the home. And these things do emerge uh, quite often. As you can hear from the setup for this podcast, uh, we're going to be listening to a dramatic story by two very special people of brokenness and restoration in the marriage of a pastor and his wife. Uh, I had the privilege recently to sit down with Phil and Cheryl Hager near Birmingham, Alabama, and talk about the breakdown of their marriage and how the Lord Jesus and his kindness when things were hanging by a thread brought restoration. You talk about intervening in a crisis. This is a story about that. Phil Hager serves as district superintendent with the Christian Missionary Alliance in the Southern District. That's down in Alabama area, part of Tennessee and part of the panhandle of Florida. And the very fact that Phil and Cheryl are even there doing what they're doing is proof that God has the power, the gospel has the power to restore marriages that are in crisis. Uh, Because we want to see healthy ministries that come out of healthy marriages. Phil and Cheryl have been married 37 years. They have two children, David and their daughter Jennifer, who's married, who has a two-year-old son, Joshua. So let's jump into that conversation. Um, I've known Phil for uh, a number of years, and Cheryl more recently, the last couple of years. Uh, you, you guys have been awfully kind in allowing me to partner with you in the district in a number of uh, situations with my ministry. And uh, so uh, this is, uh, as I told Cheryl as we were walking in, just an ex- a good excuse to hang out with you guys. Okay, let's jump in with uh, what we are here to talk about, and um, and it's it's really uh, the topic of, of healthy marriages in ministry, and you all are where you are 
and who you are in large part uh, having come uh, through a very, very challenging season in, in not just ministry, I'm sure, but also in marriage, which is more what we're going to be talking about here. So I mentioned to you earlier before we hit the record button that one of the things, you know, in the years I've known the two of you, my impression has been that you all are, are very close. Uh, you, you serve well together in ministry, but it, it's just obvious to me that your marriage is, um, is one where, where you're together. And um, Phil, you've talked to me a few times about your story. It wasn't always like that, was it? And I'd, I'd like for you to share a little bit of that, uh, that hard season of your marriage, what led up to that, and um, how you emerged out of that, some of the things that happened that, that maybe hurt the marriage, but then eventually restored the marriage. Uh, let's, let's talk together about that now. Phil, you start. Yeah, absolutely. Cheryl and I um, dated almost all the way through our time together at Nyack College where we met. Uh, we were married right out of college in 1980, and uh, we had what I think we would both agree was a really strong and good marriage for the first 25 years mm. of our marriage from uh, 1980 to 2005. And you were pastoring during, during we were, those we years. Were, we were church. Our entire ministry has been involved, for the most part, in being involved one way or another in either church planting or redevelopment of dead and dying churches. And uh, we'd had, um, from all outward appearances at least, a very uh, successful ministry career and, and a good, strong, I think, vital marriage. We could talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we enjoyed being together. But um, in February of 2005, um, we, we received uh, news that no parent can ever prepare for or uh, ready themselves for. Our, our, we, we learned that our son uh, had contracted cancer. Uh, he was 17 years old. He was in 11th grade. And um, mm. the doctors uh, found a little lump in his throat, um, kind of innocuously, we had taken him to the doctor for an earache, and that was how it was discovered. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, and I'll never forget the day we sat in the doctor's office. And uh, it seems even surreal, even now, all these years later, as we talk about it. And uh, he told us that our son David had thyroid cancer. Mm. I remember vividly him telling us that uh, if you have to have cancer, that was the best kind of yeah. cancer to yeah. have. But somehow it's good, it's good to hear, but it's still cancer, you know. And Cheryl, were there, were there symptoms prior to that that uh, no. you, know, you look back and? No, uh, he woke up in the middle of the night with an earache and took him to the to the ER. They didn't even touch his throat there. Then he was sent to the regular uh, general doctor, and mm. he didn't find anything. And so we really feel it was God's provision to us to keep that ear not healing until we got to the special. Interesting, interesting. <clears throat> yes. Only Christians can see it that way, you know, that, that God has his hand mm-hmm. in it and, mm-hmm. and allowed an earache to, to be mm-hmm. uh, the focus in order to find out that it's something else. Wow. Okay. It was crazy because it was just a simple little earache that yeah. wouldn't go away. It lasted yeah. for weeks. Mm-hmm. And finally our doctor said, you know, this should have been healed a month ago. I'm going to send you to yeah. a specialist. Yeah, when and it's that persistent. Was, yeah. yeah, okay. So uh, he had treatment. Well, um, so so he had cancer, and you know initially we did very well uh, through all of that. Um, so your we were the impulse was to 
come together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But but we were scared. We were scared for him, and um, he, literally within a week and a half after all of the tests and everything that had revealed to what extent uh, the cancer was in his body, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, he was having surgery. So this happened very very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we accepted that. We were strong. We needed to be strong for him. We needed to be strong for each other. And um, really for the first number of months, uh, as difficult as things were, uh, we remained pretty strong. But um, following the surgery and then rounds of radiation therapy and ongoing test after test after test, and it just seemed like we were always and forever in a doctor's office or at a hospital, uh, the bills started rolling in. Mm. And when I say the bills started rolling in, um, we're, we're talking about bills in the tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. And honestly, we, we got to the point that Initially, it was a shock when you open a bill and it's, you know, $26,000, yeah, another imagine. one for $30,000. Mm. And then they just kept coming. And it was like, oh, here's another $14,000 one added to the pile. Yeah, you become numb to it after a while. Um, don't you? But truthfully, uh, we didn't see how we would ever live long enough or earn enough money in ministry that we would ever uh, recover from that. Um, and, and so that began to weigh on us. Uh, that wasn't the only thing that got in the way of our relationship, but, uh, uh, we, we deal with stress differently. Um, my, my wife, Cheryl, uh, is one who processes by talking, by dialoguing. Mm -hmm. And we'd always been able to do that before. I, on the other hand, uh, you never faced anything this it, intense before, right. so this this uh, dynamic of the way you related to each other was tested in a, yep. it was. In a new way, wasn't it? And and, and to be honest, uh, in in hindsight, it was it was selfish of me, but but in in hindsight, I was just getting weary of talking about something that in my mind couldn't do we couldn't it. do anything yeah. about, mm-hmm. and so I was dealing with the stress by uh, simply immersing myself in my work mm-hmm. and working harder. And um, I was working um, in a district office at the time as director of church planting, um, which, which was a blessing and a privilege, but in, any ways, in many ways very hazardous to the situation because it was a natural way for me to immerse myself in the work and, and, and find excuses to be gone mm-hmm. all the time yeah. and on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was using the excuse that uh, this was my job, this was my role, this is what we had to do. But really, it was an escape, uh, and it just precluded me from having to to be processing and dialoguing something that was number one difficult to talk about, and number two something we really had no control over. And what, so, what do you wish you had done differently now, as you look back at this? Oh, you know, obvious, obvious. everything, everything that we basically did, mm-hmm. we would do differently wow. now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was, uh, and, and the thing that's sad, Mitch, is that we knew better at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably were coaching other people to, uh, to behave differently, weren't you? Everything that we had ever told anyone else not to do, we were doing. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse for it, except to say that this is how we handled it. And now, Cheryl, were you pulling back from being engaged in, in uh, involvement with people? I don't think so. Okay. But um, 
being in a district office is different than being in a local church because you're in a different church every week. Mm -hmm. So your relationships are not, you don't have your group around you as, as tightly knit as you do in a local church. I mean, they know you, but you're where not. you where you would ideally have a community coming around you, right? Yes. Well, our community is, you know, usually and even now is spread over five states. Mm-hmm. And let me just interject that, um, David, the, what we would do differently, we got the privilege of doing differently when David's cancer reoccurred. Oh my gosh! And we were able to pull together mm. uh, when he was twenty-two. So. We were together, we communicated, we knew the bills would get paid whenever. So that was our privilege of being able to be tested again and say, okay, now we know we can't fall apart and we are going to do it right mm, this time, mm. which I feel like we, we passed that way. Yeah, yeah. Five years almost to the day from uh, his initial cancer. Uh, he was in college at this time. and. Um, when, when they had done the surgery on his thyroid initially, uh, they did their best to get everything out and, uh, and cut way beyond the boundaries of where the cancer was mm-hmm. as a preventative measure. But uh, even with the best attempts, there were one or two little lymph nodes that mm-hmm. they didn't get. And so five years later, when his cancer reoccurred, it was actually uh, more serious and more extensive than the first surgery. But uh, we had the opportunity to go back through those waters again mm-hmm. the next time. It was an entirely different picture. And you, and you demonstrated to him a whole new uh, mm-hmm. way of, of relating to him. I mean, his perspective on all this would be would be fascinating. You know, mm-hmm. watching mom and dad stressed and, and uh, the tension, the separation, and then in this case, the support, um, no doubt had an impact on him. How bad, let's get back to the marriage. How bad did it get? Well, we failed the test miserably the first time through. Mm-hmm. And it got so bad that, um, ironically, it was 11 years ago, almost this week. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, we're recording this, this is Monday before Labor Day. A week <laughs> from today will be Labor Day. And it was a Labor Day weekend 11 years ago that we hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been struggling. Um as I said before, we'd had a great marriage for the first 25 years. And then all of a sudden, we found ourselves uh, sniping at each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like we'd always been able to resolve differences. And now it was like there wasn't a difference we could ever resolve. And, and uh, rather than being supportive, we were just being antagonistic toward each other. And finally, on Labor Day weekend, uh, 11 years ago, 2006, right? 2006. Um, we actually separated. Mm. We, we, we uh, parted company, not for a long period of time, um, but, but we, we just uh, had come to the end of ourselves and uh, we, we went different directions. Cheryl, from your, your perspective, um, this must have been frightening. It was. Um, what did you draw from during that time? I mean, you can't look... Probably it would be even more frightening to look ahead and you know imagine where this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what were you, where were you drawing strength? What was giving you perspective during that time that kept you going? I had several good friends, and they were the kind of friends that knew the Lord and would point me back to Him. Uh, supportive family, um, 
that was not where we were living, but uh, I was in the Word all the time, and um, and I just knew that God needed to do something to heal us because we knew all the the answers. We'd been in ministry, we'd mm-hmm. led churches, you know, and and um, all of that, but we didn't know what to do. So we were we, we were seeking Him, and and we were just you know getting counseling. Uh, during that time um, so I was just relying on the Lord can you share two several things that uh, happened that you could identify as miracles or interventions by Jesus that started to bring about sure restoration here um, we both took our marriage vows seriously so I love that um, when we stood before the Lord in 1980 we meant it so I couldn't believe this was happening, and mm. I'm sure Phil couldn't believe this was happening. Um, but we, I knew an old friend from Beulah Beach days. I grew up in Ohio, and um, we called him, and he had a ministry that uh, was just free to us as Christian workers, and we went to him. He said, come, you don't have to pay any money, come and stay here, and we'll just take as long as it takes to work through this. And so uh, we did that. So that was a huge miracle because the finances were such a huge part of what we were going through that you think, well, I need help, but where am I going to get it? Mm -hmm. And who's going to pay for that? And that's going to only make it worse. So um, his name is Brad Mason, and... He's still a dear friend of ours that uh, just, I don't know where we'd be without him. Mm. His name, the name of his thing is Successful Relationships. And he just poured his life into us. And we stayed about six weeks because by that time we weren't tied to a job anymore. And oh, this um, had affected yeah. your... I need your... to back up the truck a little bit um, because when, when we separated... Um, the uh, I was serving in a district office, and um, it was Labor Day weekend, as I shared, when, when we hit the wall and things kind of came to a, a pinnacle. And within um, a week and a half to two weeks after that, um, I was dismissed from my role in the district office. And uh, we were in a place all of a sudden where we found ourselves unemployed, um, can, I, can I ask a penetrating question here? Yes. And, and if you if you prefer not to answer this, we'll we'll stop this and erase it. And it, uh, people will obviously know if they're hearing this that we did not. <laughs> How did you like that for a setup? For okay. Um, the the need to withdraw from the ministry uh, to leave the ministry at this time, as you because this is important, I think in in how to respond to hurting mm-hmm. uh, breaking or broken marriages in ministry is what the role of others is to that is, is so important uh, and you you maybe can just answer generally if you want to be specific it's up to you but was that for self-preservation or was that for your good in other words uh, you know so for if a pastors told hey your marriage is hurting you need to uh, you need to leave for the sake of your marriage. Uh, I've sensed sometimes that say we we've got to preserve a good name here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you know we don't want your this to be a bad testimony. 
Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, well, first of all, I want to I want to uh, preface anything I have to say by stating that um, I do not want to be disparaging in any way, shape, or form. Because, because just like there are a thousand things that we would do differently, mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. if we went others back, as well. mm-hmm. there, others would do things differently mm-hmm. as well. But in the moment, you do what you feel is appropriate at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we were in trouble and we knew it long before we separated. And uh, there were numbers of cries for help that went out mm-hmm. um, leading up to our separation. Um, I remember my wife distinctly at one point saying to the team that we were working with, uh, uh, we're in trouble. And um, whether, whether it was just uh, they didn't see the depth of that or whether, whether uh, it was just ignored and we didn't want to deal with it, I, I don't know. It's not for me Could to say. Could be a sense of helplessness yeah. as well. But, but, but there were numbers of cries for help. Um, and, um, there was always the feeling, uh, whether it was, whether it was just perceived or real, uh, I don't know, but there was always the feeling was you have your personal life and we have a job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that. I, am not critical of that except to say that there were numbers of cries for help that went out, but, but be that as it may, um, we found ourselves unemployed, uh, with two kids in college and um, a mortgage payment on a house that we own, and medical bills that were still coming in. And our situation looked hopeless. It literally looked hopeless. And uh, this is very embarrassing to admit, but I want to be honest here. Mm -hmm. I want to be very transparent. I entered into a time where I was very, very angry. Mm -hmm. Um, Cheryl never went that direction, but I did. And uh, I was mad about the situation. I was mad about our circumstance. I was, I was... And with that comes blame sometimes. And, and I was angry. I was angry with, uh, with the, the organization that mm-hmm. I served. And uh, if I was truly honest, I was bordering on being very angry with God. Mm. And so it got to the point that... Um, Initially, I was very, very resistant to counseling, but even I realized I was going into areas I'd never been before and that I was uncomfortable going. And so we went to uh, Norwalk, Ohio uh, for counseling uh, at this place called Successful Relationships that really was set up and designed to deal with ministry couples in crisis. Mm -hmm. And it was a miracle because we were offered an, a fully furnished apartment where we could stay. Uh, the cupboards were stocked with food. The refrigerator was filled with things that we would need. Um, we, would, we, we had counseling twice a day for a couple of hours each session, morning and afternoon. And we sensed uh, love and support uh, that we desperately needed at the time from uh, a ministry organization that was willing to provide it to us. And we literally lived at successful relationships for the better part of six weeks. And you're together. Yes. Together. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. We're, uh, I'm going to take a break here because uh, this is going to end up being a two-part interview. 
And what I'd like to do as we follow through on this conversation is talk about uh, really, I mean, look at what you're doing now. People are, have got to be wondering there, there, there was something amazing that happened. Because uh, so far what you've told is a very dismal, uh, very desperate story. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'd like to do is talk about the, um, again, who were some of the, uh, the players that were involved with this, uh, mainly, of course, the Holy Spirit. What did he do? Mm-hmm. What did it take? And then what I'd like to do, too, is to talk about how this has shaped your leadership, uh, particularly for pastors and leaders. Okay, we will be back next week as we continue hearing the story of um, how God did a really a miraculous work in bringing this marriage uh, back together again. It's a great story, and I think you'll be tremendously encouraged by it. It's something that you will want to share with others. Uh, pass on the podcast to others even now. We'd love for you to start talking about it, share, on fa- share it on Facebook, talk to your friends about it, give it to your pastor, give it to your staff. And hey, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, any comments, love to hear from you. You can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. That's mitch before you quit. That's just three words. Mitch at beforeyouquit.us, and we'd love to hear from you. So until next week, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next week, stay encouraged.